G'day Groovy Humans and welcome to another episode of A Groovy Enlightened Life. Today we go on a special journey and we share the life of Ali Williams. When I first heard Ali's story, I just, I was so lit up. I was lit up because she has experienced so many things in her life. And we all do. We, we experience so many things in our life. But I absolutely loved the way she changed her mindset and she changed her life around. And we go on this journey with Ellie around her breast cancer story and how she ultimately came to a place of healing through the practice of self-acceptance and self-love. So sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and let's get cracking. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, Ellie Williams. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. Uh, So why don't you just share a little bit about yourself? Well, I am in my late 40s now and I'm a mum and a wife to six kids, three of my own and three that I very happily inherited, the beautiful kids. And I've done a number of things in my life work-wise. I've done some study and um, I was born a farmer's daughter on the southeast of South Australia in a little or out of a little town called Panola. I was born in Mount Gambia and um, we lived there until I was eight and then moved to a little seaside town out of Adelaide about an hour called Victor Harbour where we lived for some time. Then I went away to boarding school in Adelaide for a while and uh, stayed there for uh, in the boarding house for two years and during that time my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and unfortunately passed away when I was in year 12. I had just been away as an exchange student at the end of year 11 to New Zealand and uh, came back and a month later mum passed away. So that started a bit of a trajectory of all kinds of things in my life and, uh, you know, I moved away here, there and everywhere looking for all of life's answers that were anywhere but within me apparently at the time (laughs) and uh, you know wanted the world to give me the answers that I was searching for and eventually figured out that I wanted to be back home and uh, then met my first husband and had an interesting time for quite a few years but had three beautiful children who are all just amazing and um, ended that marriage after nine years 11 years or something and um, Spent some time of my own, working really hard as a single mum full-time, doing it all on my own, spending many mornings with my jugular pumping out the side of my neck, trying to get everyone organised before even getting to work <laughs> myself, yeah, yeah. <laughs> navigating life's challenges as a single mum and having teenage kids and all the rest of it. And, um, and then eventually met a beautiful new man who is my current husband and uh, inherited his three beautiful kids. And six months after we were married, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. So it's been a whirlwind of a journey. You know, that was a, a full gamut of um, six surgeries, chemo, radio, reconstruction, losing my hair from everywhere, which was actually a bit of a bonus for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> it was very low maintenance. Low maintenance, yep. yeah. very low maintenance. <laughs> I loved that part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and eventually kind of decided that 
it was time to do some, um, you know, digging deep, looking into myself and taking responsibility for myself and how I had ended up in that position and have really learned a lot about myself and discovered my passion uh, through the process quite accidentally and um, here we are today. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I brought you on the show is because I, I love your story and I love how inspirational it is and I'd love to dig in a little bit today if that's okay. Sure. Awesome, awesome. So. You obviously, you know, you had the experience of your mother who had the breast cancer and at a young age and and then you also yep. transitioned to yourself actually ending up with breast cancer. Can mm. you tell us a little bit about that journey and what you've learned through that? Well, it's very interesting actually. I was 12 when my mum was diagnosed and uh, I was in a boarding house at the time and she was uh 40, 41, and had found a lump and was sent away by the doctor. And three months later, went back and it was quite a lot more severe. And um, so I was kind of kept in the boarding house. You know, back in those days, I, you know, my parents were beautiful, loving, caring people. We still have my dad. But it was back in the generation, you know, it's 35 years ago when she was first diagnosed and it was back in the generation where things weren't discussed mm. with children. Yep. I was away at boarding school. My sister was then sent to join me early so that my parents could just deal with all this away from us so we weren't really aware of what was going on. So, and actually, incidentally, I forgot to mention before, nine months after my mum passed away, her mum, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother passed away also from breast cancer. So, you know, I spent a lifetime of being afraid of ending up in that same uh, situation. And, you know, there's a whole history of a pattern of my behaviours after mum passed away that, you know, manifested in different ways throughout my life. But when I was diagnosed myself, it was actually, and incidentally, my daughter was 12 when I was diagnosed. Mm. I, was, I was 45 when I was diagnosed. But it was actually a relief, to be honest, when I was diagnosed because I had finally been set free of my fear, mm. which is, you know, I know lots of people might not understand how I can see it that way, but I had spent... 30 years of being afraid of something and not really living my life in yeah. a way to try and avoid it but ended up with it anyway. Yeah, yep. So then, you know, I started digging a little bit deeper about that and, you know, I'd been seeing um, a, a spiritual healer for a number of years and, of course, one of the first things I did was rang her and talked through all of that. She asked me which side it was. I said it was my left breast. And she said, that's connected to all of the men in your life. Oh, wow. So we started to unpack all of that and it all started to make sense. And I started to learn about a whole heap of stuff about the patterns of behavior that I had established. You know, it goes way back to being that wounded 12 year old child. Mm. Um, but I also, the same day that I was diagnosed, 
and we didn't tell the kids straight away because we had a number of tests and things to work through so we kind of wanted to know where we were at before we sat everyone down but on that first day um you know after my husband and I were sitting in the car together and we just held each other as we cried and he said to me you've only just become my wife you can't leave me now you know it was heartbreaking yeah and that same night my best friend of you know 35 years came around with a a bottle of champers and some chocolate and a bunch of flowers and as we sat on my bed together we both actually just went actually this feels okay this Mm. feels like it's all gonna be okay and that it actually means something bigger than just focusing on the cancer journey itself. So having having that deeper knowing, I was able to parent my children in a way through that journey quite differently than how I had been parented. And I'm not blaming my parents in, you know, by any stretch of the imagination of my father is a beautiful kind and loving man but that was the best that they could do at the time and I was able to do it differently and cancer actually gave me time with my children Mm, yeah and you know I'd always worked full-time and as they were growing up and I was that grumpy mum I was stressed. I was worried about money all the time. I was screaming at them because their rooms weren't tidy because that's what I thought mattered at the time. And then one night we were sitting around the dinner table and I was in the middle of chemo and I can't remember which one, but one of my kids said to me, home is a much nicer place to be because you aren't at work. And that was in the middle of chemo, the scariest time of their life. Yeah. So, you know, I have had a whole heap of mic drops all, <laughs> all through all of that, a whole heap of truth bombs that I have learnt along the way that other people have taught me and that I have the insight that I've gained about myself as well. So it's been a huge learning process. That's amazing. And I guess mm. um, we, we often hear these things that people end up with um, diseases or, or whatever it might be as sort of like that warning sign. It's kind of like you haven't been listening to what you should be doing in life or following yeah. that purpose or, or doing, you know, actually living life instead of mm. just cruising along. Mm-hmm. And people all of a sudden get dropped with something. Do you feel that that has been your journey? Absolutely. And one of the biggest things that I've learnt um, about myself as a parent particularly is that for forever I parented my kids out of fear Mm. you have to be able to do this and it was all about in case something happens to me and I want my kids to be able to look after themselves in case something happens to me I'm stressed about you know I'm 12 years old you know that you know one of the boys was 12 years old and I'm trying to shove lessons down his throat like you know save your pocket money because one day don't be like me you know yeah and don't put yourself where I have don't be stressed about money don't don't regret not taking that opportunity or you know go to university that's the only way that you're going to be able to be successful and you'll be able to look after yourself if something happens to me you know it was all about um 
fear. Yeah. I lived my entire life through fear. I wasn't frightened to be alone. I wasn't frightened to, you know, not have a relationship and all of that kind of stuff. I didn't ever need a man to make me feel complete or whole or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it was I was living my life through fear. Every part of my life was lived through fear. So I got plenty <laughs> to teach me about living a life through fear. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm. So you obviously have gone through this process. You've been diagnosed with cancer. Can you walk through, I guess, some of the processes or that work that you did for yourself that helped you move through um, through that trauma um, and into where you are you are now? So my initial response was what many people do and because because I've already been through so much trauma in my life, so I automatically stepped into my survival mode. It's something that I had done through my whole life, you know, after mum was diagnosed. I was in the boarding house. I was alone. I was in survival mode. Mum passed away. I was in year 12 and then I was navigating life after school, I was in survival mode. You know, everything I did, I was in survival mode. It was never, there was never anything about any gratitude or appreciation or anything like that. So got through, you know, I, I approached my mastectomy. I had a um, just a one, one breast removed. Um, I did that through survival mode as well and I'm going to beat this and I'm going to be strong and, you know, oh, Ali, you're so inspirational and blah, blah, blah. And then we had a few things happened and I plummeted, you know. I was in the midst of chemo and it got pretty dark and it got really hard and we had, a, we had some other stuff going on as well that was really, really stressful. And I was still, you know, I was still seeing my healer. I hadn't yet discovered meditation I had tried over the years and I couldn't because I couldn't shut my brain up and I was one of those that who was also highly impatient (laughs) so if I didn't get results immediately then I would give it up it wasn't you know I just I couldn't stick with it so I started to have some patience with myself and I continued on having my healings I started meditation but I also just started to do a, a whole heap of work around how to be grateful and how to just stop and be still and listen and not be push, push, push in survival mode. But I started to learn to allow. And it was a very new concept for me being a complete control freak. (laughs) which, you know, you kind of step into when you're the age of 12 and you have to look after yourself, you just decide that you have to look after yourself all the time and that you can't accept any help from anyone and that you have to do it all yourself and that you have to make everything okay for everyone else because when you do that, then you feel okay. So I had to allow myself to be really vulnerable, which is not easy, but I had to have some trust and some faith, and some patience. I accepted help. I understood that it was okay for me to lose it. 
and no one thought any less of me because of it. So I really started to learn to accept myself also as it was right then, right there. And, you know, some of that work that I started doing was quite painful because it was going into old wounds and some days were difficult because I didn't always have the strength to look at all of that if I had had chemo, you know, I had like the Mac truck syndrome for a, a week after chemo. But somehow it, I just kind of did it and it just, I don't know, I think I just kept taking each step every day and then I was meditating every day and then it just started to get a little bit easier and then I just started to feel a little bit better and a little bit happier and then just started realizing like oh yeah I've been doing all of this the hard way (laughs) doesn't you know like you can just lighten up a bit yeah and how about today if all you can cope with is sitting on the lounge in front of the tv be okay with that you know so yeah I think definitely self-acceptance patience trust allowing and accepting help listening to what other people had to say rather than me thinking that I knew what was best for me I started to consider well there's actually a lot of people out there who do really know what they are talking about and are really good at helping people and maybe I should just listen because maybe I don't actually know know everything (laughs) yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah. nice yeah so you talked about, I guess, um, self-acceptance, and I, th- I think that's so important in everybody's life, and it's a lot of the what I teach as well is about just finding out who you are and getting into that place of accepting who you are. Now, you've just mm. described, you know, through a trauma, traumatic event or, or any of that sort of stuff is that getting into that, I guess, that quiet place, that, that place of self-acceptance, I mean, I, I guess that that's pretty hard while you're dealing with all this external stuff going on. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of external things that go on when you're going through that stuff as well, not just what's going on within your immediate family or your friends. You know, you've got um, people who actually can't cope with what you are going through. So some of your network falls away and it's just because they don't know, they can't cope or they don't know what to say. So you're working through, you know, going going through your own trauma, but you've got all of these external things going on as well. And then, you know, I wasn't working. My husband stopped working to be my carer, so we had lots of other pressures going on as well. And um, we had six teenage children, you know, <laughs> to, uh, who were all navigating their own journeys through all of this as well. And... Um, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> chemo brain, see? <laughs> chemo brain. <laughs> no, chemo it's all good. Brain. It's all good. It was just a Ask bit of a, again. No, it's it's just a bit of a reflection around, I guess, all the external things going on. And and it's not just that inner journey as well, yeah. is that you you've got this other stuff that's coming at you and, and how do you yeah. deal with that? Yeah, so it was It was really just allowing myself to sit back each day and think, what can I cope with today? Mm. And 
okay, I write, I'm a list person. I like to write things down also because I forget, obviously, as I just did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like to have a list to work through. Then I don't have to hang on to that. But I'm okay with not getting everything through everything on my list. So if one day was I just can just deal with kids' sport today because, you know, we still had all of that and we needed to try and keep their lives as normal as possible and, um, you know, then my husband was going through his own journey through all as well, the grief of a husband whose wife mm. was going through all of that. That was really hard for him to watch and, um, you know, he didn't have a huge support network for himself as well. So it was what can I deal with today? I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Yep, I need to make that phone call. I'll think about it tomorrow. I, I can't deal with it today. And actually I'm okay with that. Awesome. Yeah, and that's like a perfect perfect example of, you know, living in the now, you know. Mm. It's just like Absolutely. each moment as it comes and, yeah, not stressing about the past, not stressing about the future and just saying this is what I can do today. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I also learned. Would we only ever have right here and right now? We only have, you know, we're chatting here right now. We have no idea what's going to happen in half an hour's time, yep. or tomorrow, or whatever. All we have is right here, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing in so much detail. Um, oh, you're welcome. Your journey. That's fantastic. So I want to move on to, I guess you mentioned earlier that you have discovered your passion. Mm. So accidentally, apparently. Mm. So <laughs> talk, talk, talk to us a bit about that. Well, I discovered through all of that that um, I've always been very good at taking care of myself and doing things that I wanted to do. But I realised that even though I was good at doing that and I was the confident girl in the crowd, I was actually quite, um, I had quite a negative view of myself. And it was, you know, is, is this all I'm worth? I'm not worth good things happening. And so even though, you know, I've had that survival instinct and that strong that strong desire to get through it and achieve and survive and all the rest of it, I still had all of this underlying stuff. And as I started to dig into my stuff and realise that um, I hadn't ever given myself permission to A, be vulnerable and be okay with it, B, just be okay with the fact that that day I hadn't achieved what I wanted to achieve. So there was all these expectations I had placed on myself over the years and if I failed, oh, God forbid, if I failed, then I was actually a failure and I wasn't good enough, you know, blah, blah, blah. So and then I started to realise, you know, I really started to look look after myself and I just thought I just, you know, back to take if this is what I can cope with today, this is okay. I spent a lot of time just doing what I needed to do to make myself just get through the day. So there was lots of just going to the beach. There was lots of um, just ringing a friend. And I started to just put all of this self-care into place. And I realised, you know, I've become this big martyr of self-sacrifice to 
you know, be the perfect parent to my kids when I was a single parent and be the perfect wife and be at work all day and take care of my kids and all the rest of it. And then I just started to realise I put all this pressure on myself and that I needed to just give myself permission to just heal and just look after myself and tell everyone else that this is what I needed to do to look after myself first before anyone else because obviously it wasn't working for me being the martyr and being that parent who was going to teach them all of those lessons in case they were without me because my child sat there and told me that life was better without me being at work, yeah. you know. So something had to shift. So I just started to realise we just, we need to take care of ourselves and so many women in particular, men as well, but particularly women, we get caught up in being that parent or that career woman or, you know, and it's all about sacrifice and hardship and being the martyr and none of us ever stop and look after ourselves. So there's absolutely a place for therapy in our lives and, you know, I've and the first person to go to, to therapy or healings or um, whatever it's needed. But none of that is ever going to help us get anywhere if we do not take responsibility for ourselves, if we do not take action to take care of ourselves. And I don't know if people have overcomplicated things and they think that it needs to be these great big grand gestures of spending five hours at the freaking spa to make yourself feel better so you can say, oh, I did something for myself today. <laughs> it's not, it's, you know, it's just, it's just not about that. It's just about the everyday little things that we can put in place in our lives that don't cost any money, don't even have to take much time. Go and stand outside, turn your face to the sun and do some deep breathing to calm down your nervous system for five minutes. All of that, you know, push people, push, 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 thinking I've got to do a really hard, high-intensity workout. No, that's freaking out your, your nervous system. You need to calm everything down and just slow everything down and just say to your family, I'm going for a walk for half an hour because that's what I need right now. So I just started to and see it in all of the people around me how they were all doing what I had been doing. So I just got this burning desire to need to remind women that they can give themselves permission to put themselves first and that is absolutely okay and it's actually the best thing that you can do for your partner and your children because then you are giving them more of yourself. You're giving them the best of yourself most of the time. We all have our days obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But then teaching your children to take care of themselves we don't want them to be doing things the same way that we've been doing things because and certainly in my case it wasn't working yeah so I just started to feel so strongly that women need to be reminded that it's okay to put themselves first and to ditch the guilt in doing so Mm. and stop being the martyr and look after yourself first the rest we'll all just magically flow yeah. after doing that for ourselves first. Absolutely. 
That's a fantastic story. So you talked about taking responsibility. So how important do you believe that is, I guess, for each individual and and obviously taking responsibility for their life as a whole um, in living, I guess, a purposeful life? It's everything. Everything comes down to self. No one else is going to fix anything for you. No one else can make you feel better. No one else can help you oh yes sorry that's not quite correct people can help you find things within yourself but ultimately um you you are the one who can do the work you are the one who can find what is within you you are the one who can tap into your own resources you can be given the information through someone else but you are the only one who can take action and do the work and make things happen in your own life. You, you know, you do the work, you take care of yourself. It has a positive impact on the people around you. It has a positive impact on your relationships. Opportunities start to open up when you value yourself. Everything has a flow-on effect from taking responsibility. And then, you know, we teach our children to do the same thing. We seem to have so many generations of kids who, you know, it's always someone else's fault. No, you need to take the responsibility for the part you play in it. It's like, you know, an insurance company, when there's a car accident, you are 15% in the wrong for just being on the road in the first place, even when you're stationary and someone smacks you up the backside. (laughs) You have a part to play in that because you are there in the first place. One of the biggest lessons I learned through living with an abusive husband was that the part that I had allowed, I had to take responsibility for what I had allowed. We all play a part in any situation with anyone. It's just what we're going to do about it after that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Great, great advice. (laughs) I love it. And I actually love how you're talking about, you know, just not only just learning within yourself, but also passing it on to future generations. Because you're absolutely mm. right. We're in a place where we're, we're repeating the same things mm. and we're giving that same stuff to the future generations to continue to do. So I just love how it's like, hey, everybody, let's just stop. <laughs> let's take a bit of responsibility here on what the future looks like as well. And it starts yes. with us. Yes. And, it, and it's bigger than just us whether we realise it or not, we do actually have an impact on what comes after us. You know, behaviour is learned. How we teach our children is then how they influence their part of the world and the people around them and so on. You know, it's the, it's the ripple effect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, throw that, you throw that pebble on the water and the ripple effect, what we do impacts other people, which then in turn impacts other people so I think we all have to take responsibility for what we are passing on and teaching Mm -hmm. other people absolutely so we talked about I guess that self-love self-care aspect and you know things around I guess the feelings of that you know self-acceptance self-esteem do you have any I guess tips or steps or something that somebody could take if they're they're in this space where they're not you know they're not taking that responsibility at the moment they, they need to get that self-love back and they're feeling less than, what sort of advice can you give there? One of the um, most powerful things 
that I started to do for myself when I started working on myself, you know, probably about 17 years ago now, before I actually even knew what it was, was mirror work. So I would, after my shower every morning, I would stand and look at myself naked in the mirror. And back in those days, I would actually feel physically ill looking at myself in the mirror. And it was really difficult to do. But I persisted with it. I just kept going with it. And, you know, now I can look at myself in the mirror and smile. And, you know, my body looks like a patchwork quilt now. And I can look, I can look in the mirror and and have total self-acceptance and just look at myself and just say, you know what, you're you're beautiful and you're okay and everything everything is okay. And that might be a really big step for someone to do that. And I just kind of threw myself in the deep end. And like I like I said before, I didn't actually even realize what I was doing at the time. But for someone else, maybe they can do that fully clothed. You know, um, some work that I've done with some women in the past, that was one of the things that they found really difficult to do was they certainly weren't ready to do that naked. So that's fine. Do it fully clothed. But it's you have to you have to be ready to, or not ready, but you have to be willing to to go to those places that don't feel perfect or comfortable or um you know relaxed and easy to make something happen you're going to have to do some stuff that you haven't done before write yourself a letter accepting everything about yourself that you might not have been able to accept before it's simple little things you know when you have that negative self-talk replace it with something else and i'm just you know um all of that work obviously goes a lot deeper but and I'm just glossing over it here and not trying to make it sound easier than it is because it's not necessarily easy but doing some some starting with something that you can cope with every day gets easier and then you build upon that and you build upon that and you build upon that maybe you get a coach maybe you go and um, you know, look at natural therapies, start valuing your body, what you put in it, how you carry yourself, how, you know, who are the people that you're hanging around with? Do they lift you up or do they drag you down? Set boundaries in your life. And it's all, it's all still about, ta- you know, taking responsibility and you have to do the work. And you can, you know, you can start small and build upon that, but you have to be doing something every day. You can't just do something once a week and expect everything to change. This has got to be daily consideration and daily practice in valuing yourself and taking those actions. And, yeah, standing in front of the mirror can be very confronting to start with. And like I said before, I did actually feel physically ill when I looked in the mirror. But I just kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And then one day I didn't feel sick. And then one day I was able to smile at myself. And then one day I was actually, you know, did a little dance in front of the mirror. And I was like, yeah, woo, Woo. I've got this. I'm doing okay. (laughs) And then I'm amazing. Look what I've achieved in my life. Look what I've got through in my life. Actually, I'm okay. 
you know, and you just, it just builds. And then, you know, momentum happens, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Just taking mm. those little steps one by one. And they, and it just has to be those little ones. Like you said, just start yeah. small, but do it consistently. And you'll be surprised how the momentum just builds. And all of a sudden, you know, you might be doing a 30 second meditation next minute, mm. you know, for half an hour, whatever works for you Absolutely. is probably the other thing as well. So yeah. That's right, yeah. And, you know, what works for you may not necessarily be my thing, and that's okay. Exactly. It's yes. whatever works. Exactly. Know? I get, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I say, experiment, experiment. It's not mm. just a, the gospel. You know, somebody comes out with a new thing and that's the thing. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay not to be doing what everybody else is doing and just find totally. that thing that resonates with you, that aligns to you, that yeah. works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, most definitely. Very important. Absolutely. So forgiveness, have you done any sort of forgiveness work and what sort of um, tips can you give people around self-forgiveness in particular? Yes, so important. You know, I've done a lot of things in my life that um, if I had the chance again, I would maybe do differently. Um, I also have the you know, the whole, no, I wouldn't change a thing because now I'm here and I've learned that and I've learned that. But in reality, we all have things that we we think if we had the chance again, we probably would have done that differently. And, you know, I, I ran off the rails a bit, it's fair to say, in my early 20s, had my heart broken and uh, lost my shit for a while, to be honest. And, you know, heavy drinking and drugs and promiscuous behavior you know I, I worked in hospitality lived and played with those people in hospitality as well so I lived a really hard life and so I've done some stuff that other people you know well put it this way I'll never tell my children those stories <laughs> but I've had to you know and so there was for a long time there was a lot of stuff I felt really guilty about you know things that I had said to people or things that I had done and you have to just let that go. So I've written a lot of letters. Is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And they're not letters that you send. They're letters that you write, whether it be to someone else or to yourself about that person. But I have spent a lot of time writing out how I have felt about that person or that situation or my behaviour or my actions and then I've just kept writing until I've been able to let that go. And it might be 10 pages of manically scrolling with the pen, not making any sense because if you are feel, feeling angry towards someone else, it's actually just a reflection of your own anger. If you are feeling bitter towards someone else, it's just a reflection of your own bitterness and your own disappointment and judgment and denial and everything. So letters have been a really important part of my healing and it's writing, you know, definitely a lot of letters to myself as well, just giving myself a break. I was always doing the best that I could. I, you know, endured trauma at a really young age which affects your pattern of thinking and your behaviour and your thoughts and beliefs and feelings and everything. 
So I've done a lot of stuff now that I'm so much wiser about, but I did the best that I could. And you just, you have to let that stuff go because it just eats you alive. You know, resentment, bitterness, anger, sadness, not denying those feelings, we still need to move through them and it's okay to feel them, but we have to let it go. So letters has probably been the biggest thing that I have done over the last 17 years. I still, now, these days, if something comes up with someone or something comes up about myself, I still write a letter about it. I did one just the other day and I burnt it because I really needed to let go of something that I was hanging on to. Yeah. So it's, it's not something that I'll ever stop doing because there's always going to be stuff to work through and let go of. Mm, absolutely. That's fantastic advice. I love it. Yeah, I've taught my kids to do that too. Yeah. And I've said to them through their lives, you know, when they're teenagers and they've had a fight with their best friend and it just feels like the world is going to end and I've always said to them, write a letter. It's your safe space. No one is ever going to read it. You can swear in there if you want to. That's the one safe place that you can go and use all that filthy language that a mother doesn't ever want to hear <laughs> you use. I'm not going to read it. No one is ever going to read it. Get your true feelings out on that paper and then you burn it and you let it go. Yeah, extremely therapeutic, I believe. Very. Mm. It really releases and gives you that freedom. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So I guess from, you know, all that you've experienced on your journey so far today, is there one piece of advice or just one message that you could share with us today? Yes. And actually there's three pieces of advice I'd like to share because this unbelievable knowledge was given to me or information was given to me when I was diagnosed with breast cancer myself from a very wise man who I work with actually and respect greatly. He told me three things that fundamentally changed my journey and the first one was do not have expectations of people because they will let you down and it will be the ones that you least expect the second piece of advice he gave me was your husband will not always be who you want him to be because of how he is feeling. Absolutely saved my marriage. And the third one was when you get to the other side of all of this, your life will be a much better place to be because you will see everything so differently and you will get to the other side. Those three sentences completely changed my whole outlook and I pass that on all the time. It's just, it's so valuable. And, yeah, letting go of expectation is a biggie. Not being judgmental is a biggie. Understanding that however someone else is behaving is because of what they have and are going through and yeah, have hope and faith and trust that you'll get through it and it will be okay and everything, nothing stays the same, does it? No, change, no. Change will come. It will come and don't wait for it. Just be in it yeah. and then one day you'll sit back and you'll go, Phew, wow, yeah, okay, that was that but I'm here now and I am through the other side of it. You know, you will always get through the other side of it. It's inevitable. Yeah. That's fantastic advice. Thank you so much for that. 
Welcome. So thank you for being on the show today. Is there any last parting words you'd like to share with us? Oh, just put yourself first, give yourself a break and lighten up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you very much, Ellie. You're very welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ellie share her story and where she has been and her journey so far today. She has so many insights and so much knowledge and and teachings to share with us all. And if you are interested in getting in touch with Ellie or seeing what she's getting up to in the world, then head over to sagacityrising.com forward slash A-G-E-L-004. And over there you'll find some show notes from today's episode and all the links to what Ellie does with her self-love project and how to get in touch with Ellie if you are interested. If you would like to continue this conversation, then head over to tribe.agrovianlightandlife.com and come and join us in the Agrovian Light and Life community where all the fun stuff happens. Thank you again for taking time out of your life today to listen to this episode. Have a groovy day. My out.